everyone. Welcome to Around the Emirates podcast with Sarah Musa, where I speak to guests from across the UAE about topics you want to hear about. Today, I'm joined by special guest, Dennis Murphy. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So Dennis Murphy is author of a book called The Blame Game, which we'll get to in a minute. Also a high performance coach and is an entrepreneur. Do you, do you ever t- like sleep, Dennis? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, as you'll find out during the call, I also have a philosophy which is about effortless living. And so actually you'll get I'm to sure. the point where you'll understand, yeah, I sleep a lot. And oh, you can still okay. Okay, perfect. So there's a lot to unpack there. I'd love to hear how this whole journey came about. Please tell me your story. Is there a particular space you want me to start? Because I feel like I've had so many different lives during this Clearly. life. Um, yeah, I, I could start when I was a, a child. I could give you that brief introduction and, you know, keep going. But um, is, there, think... is there a point? I think I'd love to hear about how you specifically became a high performance coach and how that led you to starting your companies and then obviously founding your book, The Blame Game. All right. So then then I'll start when I was at university and I studied East Asian, East Asian studies. So I was learning about China, Japan and both Koreas and in terms of culture, but also as their business practices. And by the end of that three years, and I'd learned a little bit of Japanese, I had it in my mind that I was going to go to Japan and become a Japanese business person. I had no idea what that would be, but that's what I had in my head. And then reality struck when you leave university and I'm like, what do I do now? And I just felt a bit lost. And so Mm -hmm. my friend said, well, while you're thinking, just come and do some advertising sales. And so it was easy to get a job like that. And then suddenly I'm making some money and I forget about any other dreams of going to Japan or anything else. And then I find myself in London's rat race and all my dreams seem to disappear. And it's really interesting because I became numb to what I really wanted. And all Mm. that happened was I just, just got caught up in making money, getting a house, making sure my girlfriend's okay and just doing the mundane things, but making sure I'm doing everything right that society says is right. And then my story is I got made redundant. I got fired from a job that I was an operations manager at the age of 31 and I got fired. And at that point, it's right. That's exactly it, isn't it? It's oh. But when you actually speak to a lot of people who go through that, you do get two different stories. You get, oh, and you get, it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And yeah. And I was the, oh, you know, and it was that moment where I'm like, I'm really lost now. I have no idea what's going on. And I've got mortgage to pay. I've got a girlfriend. I've got bills. And I'm lost. I don't know who I am. Mm. I don't know what I want to do. And that started me then on a journey that was a completely different life of me becoming an entrepreneur. And I became a personal trainer. And in that five, six years that followed, I learned, I traveled the world learning all I could about the very thing I take everywhere with me, which I'd neglected, which is my body. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? That we don't know anything about the very thing we take everywhere with us and we keep outsourcing everyone else to make us feel happy and healthy. 
but actually we've got to learn how to do it ourselves. But after that time of learning about nutrition, physical rehabilitation, massage, everything physical, I just neglected the mind. I didn't know how powerful it was. And that's when another part of my life started, another five, six years later, where I sold everything I owned at the age of 36, 37. I don't, okay. honestly, I don't even know. I sold my house, my car. I ended the 10-year relationship with my uh, girlfriend at the time. And I then just gave away my stuff, put some stuff in my sister's loft and went and stayed on my friend's couch. And, and, and people are saying, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I really didn't know. And I could have bought another house. But I'm on my mate's couch going, I don't know. I really don't know what I want to do. And then as the months unfolded, uh, I found myself on another course in Miami. And that changed my whole life. And then I started to learn about the mind. And then I went on another five, six year journey around the world, learning all I could about healing, energy medicine, shamanism. And I just went all in. And at the end of that journey, I still felt that inner sadness and that inner anger. So it was like I was so confused because I'd gone all in in terms of healing. But I hadn't found that freedom that I kind of knew was there. And that's when I took myself into isolation in New Zealand and Australia and just went in. And I questioned everything I was ever told was true. And I really, I did, I questioned everything. And that's when I started to hear the word blame and blame mm. and blame. And I hadn't quite unpacked it and no one else had either. And so when I started to, I realized it, it makes up everything. It's the very foundation of everything. And then that's when I started writing the book. And the book has taken me 10 years to write because every time I'd write a chapter, I'd unpack more of where it was. And so I had to go through my own then blame recovery process as I was unpacking it. And that was the journey until today. And during that time, I was becoming a coach as well because I was offering something different that no one else in the world was offering. And so it was an experiment of me seeing if I had less blame in me, then I have less pain and life becomes more effortless. And that's been my journey. And that's been the journey of my clients. And so that's where I am today. And there's obviously lots of things in between. <laughs> that. That's how I wow. became a high performer. Firstly, Wow. I don't think I've ever heard a story like that before. I've been doing this podcast for almost two years now. I have definitely not heard a story like that. That is freaking incredible. So, wow. <laughs> um, my first kind of question is, how many countries have you been to? I'm curious. <laughs> it's funny you say that. There was a, I don't know, it went around on Facebook or something at one point, And there was like a program that you could put in all of your people were doing it, putting in where they um, have been in the world. So I had never thought about it. But when I did it, it was, I think it was like 72 countries that I'd been to. In, in wow, that time, that's so. amazing. Um, okay, wow. So it's interesting how you went from 
physical healing, physical exploration, understanding your bodies. And you're completely right. Like you said, we are in these bodies every single day and we truly do not even understand 10% of our bodies. So that is a very good point right there. And the fact that you also went abroad for like the mental healing as well, understanding like we are so used to kind of the old school thinking that we are raised with, which is fine because that's what was you know considered the best thing at the time that we don't actually think sure. to challenge what we've been taught. And knowing that you've now taken like the two main ingredients, right? Like your body and your brain. And then from that, you've discovered the foundation of everything that we are is the fact that we, we, we use, we are addicted to blame. And that, that brings yeah. you to, to your, to your book that you wrote for 10 years. So tell me a bit more about your book, kind of how did, how did this come about? What's, what's the kind of main message from the book that you've got? The, the full title of the book is The Blame Game, How to Recover from the World's Oldest Addiction. Mm-hmm. And because I was brought up in a family where there was an alcoholic and a workaholic father, I knew from a young age the signs of an addiction. And I can now see that that's why I probably made the connection that blame and playing the blame game had transcended its game status to become an addiction because I saw the signs. Right. And and it, it, it's like an alcoholic doesn't know they're an alcoholic for a long time. And then they see the signs and it's like, oh, OK, I, I can't stop. So when I saw that blame was following a similar pattern, I realized also that everyone on the planet has it. So we're all it's like everyone being an alcoholic on the planet. Everyone's mm-hmm. feeding each other's addiction without knowing it. And it's acceptable that the side effects are normal because you've got the same side effects as me. So, and you, we've got the same solution, which, you know, for blame addiction, the solution has always been get better at self-control. You know, you've got some of the top gurus in the world telling us you've got to get better at self-control. You've got to master your mind. You've got to control mm. it. You need more discipline. You need more resilience. You need more all of this. And it feels great. It feels really motivational, but because it's control-based, it takes an enormous amount of our energy to sustain that level of self-denial and self-control because it's exhausting to have to keep controlling anything. And so you think about you're trying to control your mind all the time. Yeah. The energy it takes, and that's why burnout so in, in so prolific around the world it's why exhaustion it's why mental illness is on the increase it's why there's suicides on the increase because you can only control something for so long before you realize you were never in control it was always just uh keeping you know keeping the stuff under the rug Mm. keeping a lid on things but you can only do that for so long before it explodes so the book is detailing a lot of the answers that we've been looking for, which is why is life so hard? Why is it full of suffering? Why, why, why? And it's because we've been containing the stuff that needs to be healed. And we've been told for years, thousands of years, that those thoughts we have are bad. They're Mm. negative. They're wrong. You've got self-limiting beliefs. You're self-sabotaging yourself. And we've been told that. We believe that to be true. And so we're now, not only don't we know about the physical body, but we're literally walking around the world hating on the very thing we're taking with us. Mm. So you're hating 
blaming yourself for doing something wrong and then desperately trying to get away from it when it's actually doing the very opposite. It's doing everything it can to help you heal and have this freedom and effortless living. But we've been trained to blame it for doing something wrong. And so as soon as you blame something, you default to your one solution, which is control. And it's not sustainable. And that's what the book outlines, is that whole process that we go through and why we're in so much mental, physical pain. And then it offers the solution. Wow. That's completely blew my mind. Like I didn't even, the worst part is that it feels like it's such an easy <laughs> thing that's right in front of you, but it's actually so hard when you think about it to actually be able to control that and discipline and change your thoughts. Cause like you said, it's the foundations of what we were taught. And I can imagine yeah. in discovering this process for yourself, you were probably like, holy shit. Like what have I been thinking my entire life? Like that must've been a crazy, just like epiphany for you. What, you're, you know, you're exactly right, because but like I said earlier on, I was doing everything right. Yeah. You know, I'd read The Secret. I knew about the law of attraction. I read about what Tony Robbins is offering us. You've got to control your mind. You've got to be the master of it. Be, be, otherwise, it will be the master of you. I'm fighting my thoughts. I'm trying to overcome my fears. I'm in a constant war with the thing I take everywhere with me. And not realizing that's not the way it's designed. It's actually only when I started to spend a lot of time in nature that I realized there's no blame or control in nature. And that's why nature, when left alone, flourishes uncontrollably. Right. It literally flourishes out of control because there's no control and no blame. And humans have the same potential to effortlessly flourish out of control but we're constantly doing the two things that aren't in nature 100 percent. and that's and that's what i realized over the years and so then that's what the journey became to help people recover from that blame and that need to control and that's when they wow. start to realize oh life is designed to be effortless I see. So you use the word effortless a lot. I know that we were talking earlier and you were saying that like, you know, with all the incredible things that you're doing, that you you're still able to like <laughs> get a lot of rest and really take care of yourself. And uh, is it really, is, do you really see it as, as that effortless? And how, how do you achieve that? The, the thing that can be quite confusing about when I talk about effortless living is people think it's about sitting on the couch doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But actually, I, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and, the, you know, they said something as a joke that, well, you don't work too much, you know, in terms of hours I put in. And I said, one, first of all, you don't know how many hours I put in. But actually, the truest statement is I've worked harder, I believe, than anyone else on the planet in getting good at one thing. And I've worked so hard at recovering from my blame addiction. And I don't believe anyone else has done that. So what I mean by it is like learning to drive or learning any skill, you've mm -hmm. got to put a lot of effort in for it to become effortless. Right. So it's not about no effort. It's about the result of putting and getting good. So at much something. effort. Yeah. Like learning a language or if you someone who's good at an instrument, they've had to put the hours in for them now not to think about creating great music 
That is so true, honestly. Like it's it only becomes effortless because you're so good at what you're doing that it seems like it's yeah. easy, but really it's because you've done all the work behind it to get good at it. So fair enough. Totally appreciate the word effortless now. It has a whole new meaning yeah. for me. <laughs> and, and and so that that's the other thing. We've spent, you know, thousands of years, but in our lifetime, we've spent every waking moment becoming better at blaming. Mm. So we've become expert blamers. And that's the big difference here is that we don't realize we put an enormous amount of effort into getting really good at blaming. And we don't wow. realize when you blame, you immediately become a victim in that situation. So we're actually a whole population of victims acting like a super victim, which is why there's so many painful things happening in the world, because it's the end result of a long-term addiction so anyone that's had an addiction for a long time has a similar result where their life is very painful and their body is very painful so we're just having it on a global scale because it's the end result of a the maturity of a of an addiction we didn't know we had wow that's i i feel like i've learned so much about about what you're saying in, in the short you know 15 20 minutes we've been talking and that's how effortless has felt <laughs> thank you <laughs> but um i wanted to ask just to just because i mean i would imagine that because you've been to so many countries and you've had to go through so much to get to this point um what do you feel has been like a kind of funny or just kind of wild experience that you've had that you might not have expected all right i don't know if it's funny or not but it's definitely the story of when I was on my travels and I'm mm -hmm. literally, if you said to me that you were, you had a healing modality and it involved some crazy stuff, I would go and train with you. Cause I was all in my curiosity, my need for adventure. I found everything wondrous. So I'm like, I'm going all around the world. Learning Let's do from it. All these different people. Let's, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. So then I was living with a friend's family in Austria and I came across a Russian healing modality. And the guy was running it in Thailand. And okay. so I was like, okay, so I'm already all over the place. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm going to study with this guy for seven days, learning his healing modality, which had tremendous claims of what he could do. And I turn up and it's two of his students were there. So he wasn't even there. He was in prison in Russia, and we find this out during the course. And so after three days of being in these beautiful surroundings with these few other people that had also bought into the course, it was called off for excessive skepticism because I'm sitting there and I'm just questioning everything that these people are saying, not in a rude way, just I need evidence right. that you're telling me if I do your thing, it will work. But mm -hmm. they couldn't demonstrate any of it. So first of all, the story is funny to me because I went to Thailand to learn a Russian healing modality. And he's claiming he can do all these amazing things, but he's in prison. Right. <laughs> but, but the beautiful thing about it is it was on that course that happened about 10 years ago that I met a guy from Dubai. And he's the guy that said, where are you going next? And he said, well, if you're going to come to Dubai, and I'd never, the Middle East was never on my radar, never. Mm -hmm. 
And he's the guy that basically said, come over and I'll host you and I'll introduce you to the wellness centers over here. And if you want, you can start, you know, come over here and see what happens. And that is what I'm eternally grateful for because that is where I met some amazing people. And that's what brought me to Dubai and falling in love with this part of the world. And now that's where I've been here on and off for the last nine years and why it's, it's a big part of my life. Um, because of that crazy story of synchronicity that right. in theory I had to go to Thailand to meet this guy who would introduce me to to Dubai which was never ever never ever on, on your radar. radar that's amazing I, I love that I love yeah. like the different like cross like like crossing different paths and like went to Thailand to speak to someone Russian yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly. that's pretty crazy um but yeah. hey it got you here so so we're good right exactly. I mean it, it worked yeah, out in yeah, the yeah. end um, I have had such a blast talking to you, Dennis. I think this has been an incredibly educational episode, but also just a really interesting learning journey for, for me and for the listeners. And I wanted to mm. know, would you have any kind of final words or message of inspiration <laughs> for the people listening in? Yeah. And it's, it's a really important realization. There are lots of people out there talking about blame. There really mm. is. And I get sent lots of, video clips a lot of articles saying this guy this woman's talking about blame like you yeah i'll read it i'll watch it and i'm like they're not because what we've done over the years and this is one of the things that happen when i unpack blame is that people understand it isn't the best thing to do which is to blame everyone else or blame and because of i run a company called roundtable global as well which is a it um runs leadership programs a lot of people in the leadership world, they also have been told that they've got to take radical self-honesty. Don't blame anyone, blame yourself. You know, everything's down to you. And right. what we don't realize is that's still blame. Mm. So people are still in their blame addiction, but they've just transferred all the blame to other people onto their own shoulders, which is why when you see leaders their shoulders are so tight because they've literally doubled up on their own self-blame. Mm -hmm. And because we have things like, if you point, three fingers are pointing back at you, so you should be blaming yourself for why things don't work out. Again, it's just more and more blame. So that's why it's an addiction, because we can't imagine a world without blame. If I can't blame you and I can't blame me, what's left? Mm -hmm. And that's the bit that's mind blowing for people when they go on this journey, because at the early stages, they think I'm blame, putting all the blame on myself, but I'm not. I'm saying there is a world where there is no blame at all. There is a third option. And in a nutshell, it's about we've got to learn to become more self-honest. And that's the ultimate intellectual solution to the blame uh, addiction is I'm blaming you for upsetting me. I'm blaming myself for not being good enough. And I've believed all of that stuff around my brain. My mind is trying to um, hold me back. And I've got neuroscience apparently to back up that this is trying to hold you back. And it's not. Mm. All it's doing is to try and help you with one universal truth that we all share as humans. And that is the goal of being on earth is to find out who you honestly are. And that's the goal, regardless of your religious background, your philosophical upbringing. Yeah. The one goal we share is that, who am I? And 
that's the journey to know thyself. And so we've been controlling, blaming, pushing back so much when our honesty, our self-honesty has been trying to come through. And it's like, if you just listened, if you just did something with this uncomfortable stuff in you, but you listen to it instead of trying to blame it and push it away, you would discover who you are. And that, again, when life becomes that much more effortless, because you start to create a life based on the honest you, not the fake you that you're learning from society. And that's the freedom. I love that. I, could, I couldn't even, wow, I don't even have words. And I, and I run a podcast and I don't have words. <laughs> Uh, that, wow, I could, I could honestly listen to you talk all day because what you tap into is so true and it's so relatable for all of the listeners. And like you said, whether it's leadership, whether it's like relationships with your families, with your friends, it's everywhere. It really is like how we deal with blame and then how we bring mm. ourselves down when at the end of the day, we actually could do something about it. We just didn't even know that the solution even existed or that the addiction yeah. existed. So. That's Thank right. you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, Dennis. I had an absolutely amazing time just listening in, and I learned so much from you. I really appreciate the time you've given me. Thank you. Of course. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, and I'll see you soon. Take care. Great. Bye. Thank you.